Hello, my friends, and welcome to this week's New World Kirtan podcast. It's Wednesday, March 23rd, 2016. I'm Kitsy Stern, and I produce this show as an act of love and service to our global Kirtan family. It's also an audio journal of my spiritual journey through the practice of singing and playing Kirtan. Well, it looks like we've survived the dark winter, and spring is finally here. In Oregon, the rain continues its biblical El Nino downpour, but during a sunbreak last week, I planted a bunch of bulbs and seeds, so now the rain will water them in, and I can look forward to pink dahlias. There's a new course about to begin in Russell Paul's Yoga Mystery School. It's called Manifesting Your Soul's Destiny, and you can still enroll at Russell's website. I feel more spiritually engaged when I'm taking one of these courses, especially when we can participate in the discussion board as a spiritual community around the teachings. As always, I'll be telling you more about it as we progress. The Amazon portal is now up at our website, and this is another way you can support the podcast. Here's how it works. Just bookmark the New World Kirtan website, and when you want to buy something at Amazon, go to our site first and click on the Harmonium at the bottom right of the homepage. It will take you directly to Amazon, and New World Kirtan will get a small percentage when you buy something. In the future, I'll be recommending some books and items that I find personally useful. And if you decide to buy them, I hope you'll use our portal as a thank you. Last Friday at our Kirtan Meditation Group, we had a soup potluck, and we watched Sanjay's Super Team. If you haven't seen it yet, you should check it out on YouTube. It's a sweet, animated short, only seven minutes long, and nominated for an Academy Award this year. It's based on a true story about a young boy who imagines the Hindu deities as superheroes. It was fun, and I think the soup potluck will become a new tradition. My friend Beth, who helps me run the satsang, and I made two soups, one for meat eaters and one for vegetarians. The satsang group brought bowls and utensils and salads, bread and dessert, and after eating together and watching the video, we sang a set of our favorite chants. It was really a fun evening, and we're already making plans to do it again. Oh, what a blessing it is to have this group here in our hometown. On to this week's show. I first met Reb Drew, the Kirtan rabbi, several years ago. Chanting in Hebrew was a new experience for me, but to my surprise, it took me to the same place chanting in Sanskrit did. Reb Drew travels extensively to bring Hebrew kirtan, Jewish meditation, and Torah learning to Jewish institutions and yoga studios around the world. He has a goal to make Torah accessible, deep, and fun for Jew and non-Jew alike. Our conversation covered a lot of ground, and the show features cuts from his new CD, Non-Dual. If you hear a chant you'd like to buy from the tracks you hear on the show, we make it easy for you. There's a playlist at the New World Kirtan podcast website with a link to iTunes for every chant. Well, it's time to start hitting the gym again, and you know what that means. Another Dance Dance Evolution set is on the way. I've just been outside, and it's raining hard again. At this point, I'm hoping the Easter Bunny doesn't drown on his way to Oregon. Have a blessed holiday, my friends, and until next time, namaste. Yeah.
So today, I would like to welcome Reb Drew, the Kirtan Rabbi, to the New World Kirtan Podcast. I'm so happy you're here. Welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here. (laughs) I'm so interested in talking to you about what you do, because, you know, so many people don't even know that there is such a thing as kirtan song in Hebrew. And I, I'll get back to that, but it, I, I'd like to talk to you a little bit first about your background. You know, so where, where were you born? I was born in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Oh. Uh, so Western Pennsylvania. Right. And, right. So I guess we're both from the same state, if I understand that correctly. Yeah, we are. We yeah. are. I'm from Philadelphia, and some of my best, my two best friends live in Pittsburgh. <laughs> uh, yeah, I went to a lot of those early football games. I was a little kid in the 1970s, the Pittsburgh Steelers. You can't really, no matter how spiritual you are, uh, you can't really escape the, uh, the Pittsburgh there. And I, I was actually at the most, the very famous play, which is called the Immaculate Reception, hey. sort of the, maybe the most famous play in football history, I think, where uh, Franco Harris miraculously caught the ball and won the game. And it's known as the Immaculate Reception. Oh, and I sometimes wow. joke that, that that was the beginning of my kirtan and religious career, right? <laughs> the spiritual, at the Immaculate Reception. The Immaculate Reception, yeah. It's yes. a, a spiritual tone to it. Have to ask a lot of kirtan artists don't want, to, don't want to cop to the fact that they might like football. And uh, I won't name any names, Benji Wertheimer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's great to be on the show. Yeah, and you... You're a classical, originally a classical guitarist, and I can hear it in your in your uh, music. I can hear it. Uh, it. You went to Carnegie Mellon, right? Yes, I, I went to, right out of high school. I went to conservatory for classical music for classical guitar. I didn't do my. I didn't finish college there. I didn't stay with it for more than a couple of years. But that was the beginning. And all through high school, I played guitar and then classical guitar, and and was very. I was very much classically trained. And when I was at music school, I somehow intuited or knew that that the composers were the people to hang out with, that I was going to learn the most by hanging out with the composers. So I, I, rather than hang out with other instrumentalists, I spent a lot of time with the composers. And I think that did influence how later on now, many couple decades later, that the, that uh, when we started to make our music from my producer and me, that uh, he's also very classically influenced that a lot of that kind of especially, I would say, Bach theme and variations type things came into the feeling of the music. Because you could argue, I have argued that, that uh, you could say that Kirtan really is theme and variation, you know, that's yeah. a lot of, you know, with the call and response mixed in, but that, you know, you start with a theme. Russell Paul writes about this. You you start with a theme and, and then maybe a variation is, is sung and then maybe the group goes along with the variation, maybe it doesn't. And that, but if you persist, they do, and then you switch to something else and I think there's a lot of that kind of a weaving of counterpoint in, in Kirtan. I think it's very important. Yeah, I was really interested in reading that when I was reading about you last night, uh, about your approach to leading Kirtan and how, how who was it that said, first you listen? Oh, Shamdas. You said, you said it was Shamdas. You said, first you listen, right? And then right. you sing, and then you listen some more. Yeah, that comes from the uh, from the some of the yoga sutras about kirtan. I, and yeah, that is, I think that is sort of one of the traditional uh, approaches. Is that, is that there's first a listening, and then then a mem- and then remembering, and then repeating. Hmm. And it may not really be exactly in that order, but it certainly seems to me that that would be 
a more logical order of like you listen, you remember, and you repeat, and that that's that that's a very important aspect of this is, is being able to give oneself over to listening, and that the listening I feel is far more important than the doing. Now, uh, you may have read like I've been very involved in Tai Chi and Taoist things for many, many like almost 40 years, uh, and that I take that kind of the not doing is sort of the important part of it. So the listening is kind of more important. The, the yin or the listening or the taking is almost more important than the here I will do and I'll give and I'll make. Hmm. And that's also the case for the, what you, it might not seem it, but it's also the case for the kirtan wala, for the person who happens to be holding the space and facilitating and leading the kirtan, meaning I will listen I make it my duty and task to listen as hard as I can to what comes back after I've made a call. And I'm, I, my particular style, I've gotten a little less courageous in recent years for some reason, but traditionally, you know, in the first year, several years of doing this, I was quite, didn't know what I was doing. So I had no fear, you know, <laughs> and, and, my, and my style was very much to, to do in, to, at a certain point in the chant to allow it to go into what I was calling like a shout outs or breakout. And I think I got a lot of this from Shamdas too, as he would, was very, you know, he didn't stay in the pocket for long. He, maybe I'm back at a uh, football metaphor, you know, he would start to scramble. And uh, I kind of picked that up just because I went to a lot of his kirtans early on in, in learning how to do this. And so even during the shout out period or when things were, would start to get a little crazier or you'd start to take some risks and do these variations, which I was talking about a moment ago, uh, even then I might like sing something or chant it and I'll hear someone out in the so-called audience who did it wrong. And I'm making quotation marks in the air right now, you know, air quotation marks, who, who sang it wrong. And sometimes I'll be like, well, that's the next, that's the next call. <laughs> or I'll hear a lick on the guitar. If somebody's playing it and say, that's the next call. So kind of being open to hearing random little noodles and say okay we'll go with that next and uh being i find that when that happens it really becomes a collaborative unitive experience wow that is really a great way to think about that you know i, I have a band uh we play once a month at the unitarian church here in town and i mean kirtan it's like it's a relationship you know i mean you're you're calling their response and the audience is helping to create the whole thing and that whole concept of listening really closely i love that i just love that because that's really the important part you know the other stuff is not that important no and uh, it, it really isn't important and I mean, it, it also is more, but you're bringing up a very question that's dear to my heart, which I've always been contending with from the beginning, which is, is this music even? And I remember, you know, Shamdas, actually, I don't know why we're, he's on our mind. I guess we think of him a lot. He's a great teacher of, our, of all of ours. Uh, I remember him say, once in Boston at a festival that we were both playing at. I remember him going on a, uh, you know for want of a better term, a little bit of a rant <laughs> about, <laughs> about how we're not singing here. We're not making music here. This isn't music. This isn't singing. And it's, it's something I get into with my, with people who sing along, who sing, you know, support singing, backup singing, who play in the, in the bands with me is like, you know, trying to, to tell really talented musicians to be less of a musician and, or, you know, or ask for that to happen. And in, in a lot of ways, I think that, 
this this isn't music. I was introduced to Kirtan by CDs, uh, with CDs, uh, this is more than 20 years ago, at a yoga teacher's studio, and we would go every Wednesday night, and she would play CDs. Nobody knew what Kirtan was. And some of them started out very, very slowly with hardly any instrumentation, and then gradually build up faster and faster and faster, you know, until an hour later, you you finally reached the ohm, you know, and the whole room was just rose in this energetic, it was like this, huh, amazing. It took an hour and slowly, and it wasn't music, even though it was musical. But, I, you know, that was hard as a Westerner to, to really, um, it was great when we got there, but I can't tell you how many times what my mind went through in, in that hour, you know, <laughs> this is stupid. I want to go. I've got other things to do. It's really dumb. Why don't they play some different chords? You know, the whole, the whole thing, you know, and well, um, yeah. I, I think. Yeah, go ahead. I mean, I, I hear that. And, and you and a host of other people who go to, let's say, mindfulness meditation or any of these practices which, from which one drifts away. You know, that, that's, I remember hearing actually at the Omega Institute once at the um, Festival of Ecstatic Chant, I remember Sharon Salzberg was there uh, teaching as well. And I remember her saying uh, that the important part of meditation isn't when you're in the zone, it's when you start to drift and catch yourself and come back. And mm-hmm. so uh, I, I think that that is a very important part of it is that, that, it, that uh, you want to, it's a practice. Krishna Das always speaks of this as a practice and, and it, it, it is a personal, it's a practice with people. And as my, myself having this Tai Chi practice and doing yoga and things like this, I know, and I've been doing, let's say, martial arts for 40 years, and I know even, the, and I practice every day, but I know still that it, it occurs to me quite regularly when it's that time by myself to get to the, to start that first position for a Tai Chi form or to make the first moves of a sun salutation, that there's a piece of me that still is a voice inside that says, I don't quite feel like it today. <laughs> and, oh God, I know. You know, every, every day. You every know, well, eventually you, you do... You, per, you have to, and that's the practice right there. The real crucial moment of the practice is when you persevere and go, I know if I do this and stay with it, I will be happier having, yeah. having done it. And so when I, I've been teaching a lot of workshops lately, moving a little less from, to, from live kirtan to more teaching, including, by the way, I just want to say I'll be doing an online course soon and more, several online courses, but the first one's coming up soon. Uh, oh, awesome. Let's remember, let's talk yeah, let's more talk about, about that, that because I know people, yeah, yeah, and yeah. So um, teaching more, but recently I often will teach at Kirtan, you know, you're, you're, it's just as much about, I feel like you're teaching how to practice as much as, or what it is to have a practice as much as you're, as what you're doing in each of these kind of arts and, and methodologies. And I'll often say to people, and, and I'll use the Kirtan form as being a little bit of a, of, as a joke almost, uh, humorously, I will say, so repeat after me, here are the two principles or mantras of having a practice. And then, and you know, it's, it's, it's riffing a little bit off of Ram Dass, I suppose, but I'll say, let's just repeat after me. And I'll say there, there is nowhere I'd rather be than here. And I'll, everybody will repeat that. And then I'll say, and there's nothing I'd rather be doing than this. And that's the essence to me of having a practice is when you get to the edge of that yoga mat, and you're re- you've got a zillion things to do that day. And yes, you have time, but it's the morning and you're thinking elsewhere to bring yourself back and say, you know, there really is nowhere I'd rather be than here. And, and there's nothing I'd rather be doing than this. And you could add to it, 
how blessed I am to be able to have this time to do this. And, you yeah. know, also just, you know, thinking of Ramdas, you know, we, we spend most of, you know, he talks about be here now for, you know, the famous book. And, but we spend most of our lives becoming there then, you know, we, we're always, we're always thinking where we're not. And so practices like Kirtan are always just about bringing you back to the present moment. And then you, and inevitably being in bodies, these mortal frames, uh, what I call soul vehicles, uh, being in these soul vehicles, inevitably the body is going to do something or something's going to happen and you're going to drift and then you bring yourself back. And chanting is just a really wonderful way to do because I think it's an easier form of, uh, of meditation than, than many of the others. It's, there's not a whole, as Christian Duff likes to say, there's not a whole lot you have to do. All I'm asking you to do is sing. But, you know, we know it's a little trickier than that, of course. Sure it is. And, and it, it's, it's interesting, though, that return. Uh, Russell Paul calls each time we wake up and return a blessing because each it's a miracle every time we wake up in the middle of a chant and realize that our mind isn't there and that we consciously return because it's a conscious return to God every time we do that.
originally when I started to go out and do kirtan in Hebrew, I was determined, I set up two parameters for myself living in New York City. One was that I wasn't going to try to take it to the yoga world or do it in yoga studios. Or I, I was going to preserve that realm for my own personal nourishment to go in and participate as a, as a member of the community, of the I'm, we always have trouble with words in Kirtan because you don't want to say audience. That's not the right word, but yes, <laughs> you yeah. know what I'm talking about. So I was like, this is yeah. where I'll personally nourish my own, my own soul. And uh, whereas my mission will be more to bring bhakti to the Jewish world, which needed it very much at the time. So, and that was one parameter. And then the second parameter was that I wasn't going to try to do anything in New York City, but I was rather going to go outside around New York City and and wait and come and then later maybe come back into the city. But I just I wanted to take Kirtan to the least likely places, uh, and that's still to this day that still remains my main my main desire and uh, mission statement, if you want. And what happened was I guess a piece of me broke down on on, on these little promises, and I I remember it was probably December of two thousand six. I remember calling up Integral or writing an email to the Kirtan at Integral Yoga and saying, listen, I'm a rabbi. I've been doing Hebrew, Kirtan in the Hebrew language. I've been going around and I and, and knew it at Integral Yoga at that point was sort of was the preeminent Kirtan venue in, in New York City and possibly in, in the country. They just were. That was the place where a lot of Kirtan was being held. And I didn't expect much to come back, but they immediately wrote back and said, yes, we'd love that. And as, as it wow. turned out, um, their teacher, Swami Satchinananda, had had relationship always with various rabbis, with Rabbi Gelberman in New York, and even with my my beloved teacher who passed away last year, may he rest in peace, um, Rabbi Zaman Shachter Shalomi, that, they had, that, they, that there had always been this interfaith aspect of you will, of integral, you know, you think of it, if it's about being integral, that you want to integrate. So it was always, a, they'd always had that. And it, I guess it had, Rabbi Gelberman had gotten kind of old and, or just wasn't as active. And, and they would, they just were like, here's a rabbi. We can maybe, this makes a lot of sense for us. So we did that. And in the spring, I think it was in March or April of 2007, we held an event and uh, it, there were people around the corner lining up to come and so many people came and after, so we said, we should do this again. And they were like, yeah. And they said, of course. And then a little bit later, maybe a month later, Achala, who's now up in Maine, he, he wrote me an email saying, you know, we would like you to do this once a month. So it was actually came from them to do this once a month thing. And we just started so it and it was fantastic. It sounds it sounds as though it is, and I'm I'm curious. What is your community like? Is it is it Jewish congregants who who love to sing kirtan who discovered you, or 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 and and does that make a difference in them then reconnecting with their faith, or is it yoga people who find that kir, kir, chanting in Hebrew brings to them brings them to the same place as chanting in, in Sanskrit? So, I, so I'm curious. I mean, does this does this help Jewish people reconnect with their tradition? I, uh, it certainly does help some Jewish people reconnect. Uh, but the the audience, it's the people who come, are both and and all of what you asked about. I mean, there will be people who grew, who grew up very orthodox, very 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 strict 
practice very dedicated and and who are still orthodox and who can be attracted there are people who grew up orthodox and 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 got away from it for various reasons um there are people who go to regular who are regular synagogue goers and are very happy uh thank you with their with their 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 um their religious practice or their Jewish practice as it is, but they also like this. And then there are a, certainly a lot of people, and that's why we're starting this initiative starting this week downtown, is there certainly are people who, as awesome and amazing as some of the synagogues in New York City, such as the uh, the Lab Shul or Romamu or B'nai Jeshurun, these that are really do have a kind of, especially Romamu having a kind of bhakti experience within it, deep uh, in there, even with that, they, they're just really looking for something a little bit more purely meditative. And what's amazing is I would say that each time we do something at Integral, new people come. And sometimes it's just a completely new group and we have no idea where they're from or who they are and, and why they're there. But mo- many, I would say that most there are a good number of people who are not of a Jewish background who come and want to just chant, but most are. I think in, in the last analysis, uh, and it's sometimes a little bit of a disappointment to me. Mostly, it's people who come from the Jewish faith originally, or as uh, you know, as Ramdas also famously said, you know, who are Jewish on their parents' side. They're they're the ones <laughs> who come.
Now, uh, I did did after after starting this, starting to work at Integral Yoga, I started to do kirtan and lots of yoga studios. That that was just became a launch point where my initial desire to just limit myself just to the Jewish world bifurcated. And I now work in both worlds, in the yoga world and in the Jewish world, with very different approaches and styles in each. Hmm. And uh, you know, and having to tailor and cater and figure out what's going on in the room in each situation. Um, I did find that uh, I would go to things such as Bhakti Fest, uh, and and many many times people would come up to me and say, "I've been chanting like this for 30 years," and 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 I love chanting in Sanskrit, but I always felt there could there's something else for me to do here. And, and this is the first time in 30 years I've had it happen at Bhakti Fest a lot, particularly there. Well, this is the first time in 30 years that I have felt like I could in any way reconnect back with the with with, the, with my Jewish roots, hmm. and that's gratifying. I, I mean, it's not my goal or my intention. I'm not trying to bring uh, errant. That's not even a good word because that already that's the wrong word. You know, Jews who've chosen other paths and have found sustenance and nourishment elsewhere than the Jewish faith. I'm not necessarily trying to bring them back. That's not that's not my mission statement or my desire. I just want people of all faiths, Christian, Jewish, any faith, like say, well, you can chant in Sanskrit and you don't know that language. You're not from, you know, and yet you can chant in that. So you can chant in a, another proven vibrational language, Hebrew. You can do that too, and we can have, and, and and it will be a similar, if not the same experience. And the only reason that for for me in particular, why I prefer to chant to lead chant in Hebrew is because I know this language inside and out. You know, I know the grammar deeply, and so every every word I say when I, I you know, I'm trying to give over a teaching or an intention with every little utterance of the, that comes out of me and that I can't do that in another language. So, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting when you were talking, I, I, it, I suddenly got this image. I, I think I told you I was raised Catholic and when I was younger in the Catholic church, they, they were still using Latin. Hmm. And in, in my, in my youth, um, when I was, pre, I mean, I went to a Catholic high school, high school, grade school, high school, and college, but this was in grade school, um, they completely switched over to English. And the English liter- liturgy was supposed to to give you a, a meaning, you know, of, of what it was. You but, know you're dating yourself. Here, oh, right? I know I am, you know, but that's okay. <laughs> okay, my, <laughs> but, um, okay. but anyway, you know, it, it took so much of the mystery out of it, so much of mm-hmm. the and I, and I wonder, is is Latin in the same category as, as uh, Hebrew and Sanskrit? And and, and that, uh, do you know if it's in that? It is. Uh, you know, and I have to say, I've been um, I've been anticipating and waiting for for Latin kirtan to come. Huh. I mean, I'm I'm not going to do it, but I've been eagerly and and my favorite piece of music, which I share with my rabbi with Rabbi Zalman Shachter Shalom and others. My favorite piece of music in the whole world, like if you said to me, you can take one piece of music to a desert island with you and that's it, it would be box mass and B minor, which is in Latin. Yeah. And and I just, you know, I'm waiting for a Latin or a mass, a kirtan mass or something like that. And I think they are very similar in the sense that to answer the last part of your what you were saying, in my, in my humble ability, you know, as much as I can, that... 
you know, Hebrew was, it no longer is, but it was sort of a only a, a, a language, not a dead language, but only a language of uh, a religious language for, for praying in and studying in, you know, since the, uh, since the, the return of Jews, or not even return, but, you know, of, their, of, a, of the Jews in Palestine and in Israel, there it's now a spoken language again, but Sanskrit and Latin and Hebrew kind of have some similar things, and there is a mystery in there. You know, there's there's no question about it. There is a mystery. horizontally with other people and vertically with God yeah and and uh, and that's sort of the focus of what we're hoping to do with these Friday night services in New York it's just of you know very far from the Bakhti 
crowd, you know, mm. and, and, you know, and to tell them that, that what they're doing is yoga, you know, like you can, and I'll jokingly say, and so you can slouch back in your chairs and do <laughs> yoga, you know, you don't have, I mean, it's so, uh, but the, the ease with which it's possible to, to quiet people's minds or for people to quiet their own mind mm. after an ecstatic release and chant. And as you know, as we were talking before, uh, as you put it, like where it starts very slowly and it takes a long time to get to that place. And then the heart is ready to burst open in, in a safe, contained environment, not not just frenetically going there right away. Yeah. Uh, and and then coming and then what, you know, the denouement, the coming down and bringing it, bringing everything back into the body and into the room and into the community. At that point, I mean, I find that the after chant is is the most powerful moment, and and so I literally, I mean, this is something a little little joke here. I did, I did a very large kirtan at a synagogue in L.A. Uh, in a number of years ago, and and a rabbi wrote me afterwards because we would do a chant, and then the you could hear a pin drop for ten minutes in the room, and. And somebody wrote me, a rabbi wrote me, she said, I don't know, how, how did you get 150, 200, 250 Jews to sit quiet? For <laughs> and, and I, you know, I said, you know, it's not me. It's, it's this, it's the practice. I lead is that I do like to spend quite a bit of time sitting after and not getting right on to the next chant. And uh, even us, we kirtan leaders in these situations where we have an hour and a half, two hours, or we're on a big stage at, at a festival, you, you feel this like got to get through the program. Mm. And, you know, it's right onto the next thing. And, and it, you know, you, you take people somewhere and then you say a joke and, and, and you've kind of undermined the whole thing in a certain degree, uh, but you're, it's, it's understandable. It's kind of, there's a pressure to keep going. Uh, I, I really do like to try and pause between and, and, and just because the, the, the young experience of giving of everybody giving the chant and putting out, you know, requires the yin, ga what my teacher would say, you know, gathering, you have to gather back. So, 
Oh, that's uh, a good way to that's a good way to put it. Yeah. And listening for when people are ready to to resume again. You know, I mean, I love that time after a chant, you know, when it's so quiet. And really, where where else do we get the opportunity to do that? To really sit and and be there quiet, you know, with our th- our thoughts temporarily stilled. Not very often. Not often enough. And I, I think it's a little even more complicated than that because even when you specifically go to something for that purpose, let's say you decide you're going to go to a mindfulness lecture with a meditation. Uh, you know, and darshan, you know, you even that ironically, sometimes that's the hardest time to do it because you've gone with the intention of I'm now going to quiet my mind and stop everything. And of course, that then becomes the thing you're doing. And that becomes a problem. Whereas if you're like, I'm just going to sing for 20 minutes straight. And that's that. And that's what we're doing. And then suddenly, boom, it's over. And you, I've never had to say to any people, hey, now we're going to meditate for 10 minutes. Five yeah. Minutes. Yeah, exactly. You don't have to say it, it's just obvious. <laughs> yeah, it overrides all all that stuff in your mind. You know that it just shuts it all down. I I don't know if you guys do harmony. Um, we do a lot of harmony and lose yourself in that sound. You know, sometimes it's just celestial. Um, such a great experience. I wish more people would would experience it. You know, would give it a try because it it can add so much to your life. I always tell people who are new, you know, who come, well, thank you for trying something new. And hopefully when you leave, you'll have a new tool in your toolbox. Because for years, that's all it was for me. I liked the music. I liked that it was a great tool. It helped me to quiet my mind. And, and, uh, uh, I mean, if you go back and listen to the podcast, the beginning it's completely different than it is now because my practice has expanded because of, of teachers like Russell, you know, I mean, I'm taking his, his yoga mystery school. I think I told you, and you know, I mean, the, the depth of that experience is making my practice deeper. And so I'm getting more glimpses of the multi layers of this. And it is just the deeper I go, the more I want. It's great. It's life sustaining. Beautifully put. Uh, yeah, I, I think it. I think it is. It is a, a wonderful path, and and we should feel blessed to be really helping helping it get out there. It's not for everybody, you know. I think uh, it, it's it is, but I think it, it does. By again, I'll emphasize. I think it by its own, just by the operation of itself, it it, it allows things to happen. And I find the moment I'm trying to make something of it yeah you know i come from this tai chi Taoist point of view of the moment i'm trying like i want something to happen it it becomes that's where you sometimes can lose the experience and uh if you talk about being in the crowd uh and your mind drifting we started with that where your mind drifts off and then you come back uh as the kirtan walla i know that i have to watch myself Mm -hmm you know, from, with the higher observer self doing this because there's moments where I see that I want something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that I know, like, I, oh, it's time to make that change. I'm going to make switch into the next part. I mean, yeah, okay, there's some plans and some structure, but I'll be like, now, and that's when I'm saying, okay, no, not yet. No, not yet. You know, you have to kind of 
I'm sure people who've led, a lot of people who lead Kirtan know this experience of you kind of, you also have to be trying to get beyond preferences as um, Mickey Singer would say, you know, before I want this, I want beyond this of wanting it to go anywhere. Again, it's kind of like wanting any, any kind of particular experience to emerge. And then, you know, the divine is everywhere. We just, we, we have this wonderful concept in, in uh, Jewish thought, which I think is of value to the whole world. And it, it also dovetails very nicely with other concepts in other faiths and, and spiritual traditions. Uh, we call, it's called Bitul Hayesh, um, sometimes it's called Bitul, because that's a different way of pronouncing Bitul. And it means, it's often badly translated as meaning cancellation or annihilation of that which is, namely of the self. And it, 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 you, you kind of, uh, to use my Tai Chi or my Tai Chi teacher's language, I would rather call it disappearing all of yourself, disappearing, becoming an empty vessel, becoming, and Reb Zalman would say, becoming fully transparent before God. Mm. Um, and that, that feeling, that practice, that desire, that, I want to take the word desire out, retract that word, but that the practice of trying to become less and less and less and, and to, to disappear the ego and the self is where that's in the, in the Hasidic tradition, this con this idea, that's what you need to do before you pray. You need, so they would, so people in the olden days would spend an hour before the formal prayers would begin doing something meditating, doing something to, to do this bitul hayesh, to abnegate the, the concept of separation, of there being things that are separate from one another, and get into that non-dual place before they would even start to do the prayer. And I think that's very important. Uh, um, uh, I don't want to say tool, but it's a very important thing to like hold bef as frontlets before your eyes as you, as you go into this practice, and especially oh. if you're leading it oh especially just that's the yeah especially if you're leading it and you know somebody told me i forget who it was that leading kirtan is such a deep practice just because of that because as a participant sometimes i just really love being a civilian because i can sit out there and just have you know not worry about things like whether or not the sound is balanced and whether i can hear everybody and whether the harmonies are in in pitch and this next song coming up i don't know as well and am i going to make a mistake and here's that change all those things that go through your mind as a performer and then the whole thing oh my voice sounds pretty good tonight no 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 i'm not supposed to be thinking about that and every time trying to negate all that stuff in your mind and bring yourself back to still point that's the practice and it's such a strong practice because all those things are there all that is an operation don't you find yeah and 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 that's the that's and you know it's human all to human it's natural and and this is going back to the, the what, what sharon salzberg said uh that you know it's the, it's the coming back which is the is you know the coming back is is more almost more important than the being there. Mm -hmm.